We launched it at the very start of March, which was exactly the time, obviously, that everything went into, into chaos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EdTech podcast and this episode of the VocTech podcast, where we seek to explore the intersections of adult education and technology. A big shout out to UFI VocTech Trust for supporting this series and vocational skills development in the UK through their investments and grants in vocational technology. This week's episode is all about some of the immediate responses to training through technology in the wake of COVID-19. You'll hear from professionals in both early years and further education settings on how they engaged learners and helped cascade workforce training, both in England and Wales and in English and Welsh. A big shout out to this week's amazing guests and don't forget to check out their work via our show notes at theedtechpodcast.com. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you save the date for the newly announced UFI Week of VocTech, which will be a programme of online events celebrating VocTech and its impact on vocational training and learning. A bit like the discussion in today's podcast. And this will be taking place between Monday the 2nd and Friday the 6th of November 2020. And you can find out more by following UFI VocTech social feeds across Twitter and LinkedIn. Let's get straight into this episode. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, absolutely delighted. It's, it's another um, sunny and sweaty day here in the southwest of England. Um, and I'm really excited. I've got some excellent guests on today's podcast. Um, so first off, we have uh, Nia Broderick, who is the project coordinator at uh, Colleges Wales. Um, Nia, thank you so much for being on the EdTech podcast. And I just thought um, to start with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hello, so thank you for having me on. Uh, so my name's Nia um, and I've been working on a variety of different projects at Collega Cymru or Colleges Wales for three years now this week. Um, so I'm part of the development team and um, we work to try and bring opportunities to students and the wider college community, for example, in sports, visits through Erasmus Plus and with projects supporting students with additional learning needs. So during that time, um, I've had the opportunity to work on some really great projects from language learning, mental health, um, traveling to different places in Europe, looking at vocational graduate tracking and currently the UFI Voctech project. Fantastic. How do you, how, in Welsh, how's, what's the pronunciation? Of oh, it's it's a Colleague Cymru. Colleague Cymru, okay. Um, uh, my granny was from Wales, so I, I really should do better on that. Uh, <laughs> that. That represents all the FE colleges across Wales. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the number of colleges you have and the types of learners as well? Um, yes, yeah, so there are 13 further education colleges across Wales and Collega Cymru or Colleges Wales act as the collective voice, really, um, and represent and promote the interests of all of those colleges. So um, at any one time, there are approximately 120,000 learners studying at FE colleges in Wales. So it's a real range from people um, starting their MBQs right through to degrees in some colleges. So we really do have quite a wealth, really, of students from all ages and backgrounds. Fantastic. And I know that um, along with the rest of the education sector, um, COVID must have had a, a huge impact. So 
I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the two projects um, that you kicked off in response to COVID and also how you used both funding and technology to help engage and inspire students during that time as well. So the um, the UFI project funding, it was a direct response to the coronavirus pandemic. So it kind of arrived on on top of everything else we were doing. Um, But it was looking at ways to use technology to make education more accessible for students in the further education colleges, especially with everything that's going on at the moment. Um, So we work closely with um, Pembrokeshire College in, in West Wales, and in particular, a man called Jeff Elliott, who could see the problems and the challenges that the FE colleges had. And then we worked together to make sure that our project was beneficial for all of the colleges in Wales, not just the one college. Um, So our UFI project was a two-part project. Um, The first part looked at staff training. As you can remember, the the move to digital learning was was very, very fast. And, you know, the sectors responded brilliantly in such difficult times. But the focus for us was not how to use the technology, but, you know, how to keep students engaged and how to keep them actively involved in the lesson when they're being done digitally, which, you know, in some cases is something that hasn't happened before. Um, So there was a good focus with us on how best to use the tools on the different platforms and utilising them to make sure that students not were just passively watching, but taking part in the lessons. Um, So it was kind of given that confidence I suppose to lecturers who you know are fantastic in their work day to day and they know exactly what they're doing and then all of a sudden you're asking them to do it from home so there's so much more to consider when you're trying to you know you can't just teach your normal lesson plan you've got to engage with people differently um yeah so what what kind of um, technology mediums did you use to help with that training um was that sort of webinars or videos how did you go about that so th- because we were working with every college in Wales, there's quite a lot of different platforms to consider and every college has bought into their own um, choice platform, really. So we've got people on Google, people on Zoom, uh, Big Blue Button. There was a whole range of different platforms that people were using day to day. So what we did was look at the features you could use. So if there was a whiteboard feature or a thumbs up or a hands up or a Mm. question box, how to best use those to make sure that students were taking part in the lesson. And, you know, that you could see that they were still there and still responding and understanding what you were trying to convey to them, really. And I think that was one of the, the issues that we could have had if we'd have tried to go down the route of just the one platform, because, you know, everybody has a preference in platform and, you know, colleges have invested heavily in some of these platforms that they do use. So it, it wasn't really for us to say everybody onto this one because it's got these features. It was more, mm-hmm. this is what's available out there. If, if they work on yours, this is how to make the best of them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm I'm writing a report at the moment on higher education um, in the state of Georgia, and they have a sort of centralised system. Slight slight digression. Um, centralised system, but they have 26 uh, institutions, but then like a sort of centralised uh, system level as well. And what, what becomes apparent after speaking to lots of these institutions is the importance of um, autonomy at the institution level, uh, or in your case, in the college level. But there's still great learnings to be shared across the system or, you know, across the colleges in your case as well. Yes, no, definitely. And, you know, there, there are some that have come up 
beneficial for different reasons but then people are creatures of habit as well you know what they're comfortable with especially when the technology is new um you know you don't want to give them too much to take on board as well by swapping between the platforms i know we use teams but we also use zoom we use anything really that lets us do what we need to do but because we correspond with every college in wales you know we need to be able to speak to them regardless of the platform they use and uh, what's the kind of uptake of the the kind of training that you've put out there and to help with your colleges as well um so the idea was that every college had four to five spaces on on the course so we ran the same course four times and um, we were very lucky with a lady called jo from lightbulb moment so they had um kind of a ready made program that did look at this um and because everything happened so quickly you know we wanted something we could put into place straight away rather than start to look at a course from from the beginning um so we sat down with them and looked at the content and how to make it relevant for FE in particular vocational subject areas as well because some some subject areas are slightly easier to change the format to digital but some are a lot more practical so mm-hmm. there's things you need to be able to see and to look at and to you know a box of wires you need to see what is what the mistakes are not just yep. writing essays and things so um she was great and she sat down with us and made sure that all of the examples were things that they could use in their own lessons um so we had four sessions uh, of those the identical ones um with 60 staff trained and then they're going to um cascade then to their own staff in their own colleges um up to 10 people each so i think they might do a few more than 10 to be honest but uh, the feedback's really good because it was just something that gave them back a bit of control um so they've been uh, update well update in the rest of the staff i suppose um at the end of the summer term which is just finished and i know a lot have got more training sessions uh, coming up in september now fantastic and um what uh, level of funding did you get if you don't mind me asking or that might be uh no so we we had um because we were working with every college in wales most of the projects were one college project but because um colleges wales or college cymru we work with them all um we had the 25000 pound funding then so i've i've only mentioned the first part of the project there's a bit more so shall i tell you a bit more about uh, yes yeah, so i'd love to i was i was trying to recall so yeah i'd love to know about the second part <laughs> There we go. So um, the first part was staff focused. Um, and then the second part, then we wanted to keep the students engaged and give them something to keep that motivation ongoing. You know, they weren't in college. A lot of them should have been on placement or work experience hours where they really get a feel of what it's like to, to work in that industry or workplace. And, and, you know, that was something that they definitely would have missed. Um so we uh, produced a series of webinars that we called Voc Talks so a little bit of a play on the TED Talks um it was a total of eight live webinars and what we did was speak to former college students discussing their careers so we asked for former college students who are now working in the fields that you know they studied for um because we just wanted to give students the opportunity to ask their own questions and hear those experiences from those who'd been exactly where they were and were you know making a successful career of it um we were definitely just inspired by the people that came forward you know you don't understand really how 
how many different vocations come out of just the one college. Um, and, you know, we heard from people from in their first few years of the career, right through to people who travel the world and achieved more than they ever thought possible. So mm-hmm. I just sat there being inspired for a week, to be honest. There was just so much good advice and they were very passionate about passing on their knowledge to, to the current students. And that was lovely to see. You know, I think a lot of people are um, a bit anxious about um, sort of going into the world of work during this time. So did they have any uplifting messages we can share? Yeah, definitely. They um, they spoke about a, a huge amount of things, to be honest, from, you know, the importance of volunteering, even if it's not in the subject area that you're studying for, you know, those transferable skills are actually really important, regardless of the career you want to go into, right through to how important it is to turn up early for an interview. You know, they were saying, don't just turn up early, make sure they know you're early and you sit somewhere obvious where everybody knows you're early, not just the person at the reception desk. And, you know, how to sell yourself really and make sure that, you know, you you put the time into writing the, the CVs and things and show that you've researched the company and, you know, not just kind of a copy and paste from some of the other CVs that you might have written recently. But um, no, we're, we're going to release the um, the webinars as a series of YouTube videos. Right. Um, so what we did was go through them and take the best kind of 15, 20 minutes um, out of them. So they should be on YouTube by the time this comes out to the world. So, you know, if you want to take a look, um, they'll be on the Collega Cymru YouTube page. So there'll be a total of um, 16 videos, um, eight um, individual content videos but eight will be subtitles in, in Welsh and eight will be subtitled in English then depending on you know which one you'd rather watch it in. So that, that's really interesting because I know that um, a lot of uh, edtech companies listening in will uh, sort of know the experience of uh, changing their content to a local context so could you tell us a little bit more about how you went about doing that to sort of benefit the users that you have and the students that uh, use your materials um, in a variety of languages as well? Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're a bilingual country and we in Collega Cymru do things bilingually quite naturally, you know, that's the way we work. It's great to give people a language choice or a language option, so we try and keep that in mind when we go about producing anything like this, so especially with resources and Generally, people who um, study in further education colleges might go on to study locally and work locally. So, you know, it keeps um, the language in the area as well. Um, So I think it's really important to to include the language options from the beginning. You know, it's not something you can tuck in right at the end. You need to kind of plan it from the beginning uh, rather than an afterthought. So even things like when we were looking for speakers for our Vox Talks, one of the first questions we asked them was, you know, would you prefer to speak in Welsh or in English? And some said, oh, we'd prefer to speak in Welsh. So, you know, that's the language they use day to day in the workplace and the natural language for them to relax and actually speak to us about that experience, really. So it's not really um, translating, sometimes people think, from English into Welsh or English into any other language you know you can have really good rich content in languages like Welsh and then we had um, a simultaneous translator in those sessions then um, which translated things to English so we found that um, you know technology and working with languages is so much easier in some ways than Mm. 
um, doing it, you know, we've all been in a conference and you can put your hand up and have the little headphones to listen to things bilingually. But with um, bilingual webinars, um, the translator has kind of an audio feed and you can switch back and forth between them. You know, if you're learning a language or you're not quite sure if you're going to be able to cope with, um, you know, how fast they're speaking sometimes, you know, you can just switch back and forth and that gives you another language option then, I suppose, because, you know, it's, you know, from a financial point of view for us, it, it is cheaper because you don't rent the equipment either mm-hmm. and there's no transport and travel for um, translators. But um, we have definitely found that technology and especially minority languages, it just opens the door. So, a final couple of questions, um, and then we'll move on to our guests from Pacey as well. But um, so, you talked about two projects. Partly, they were the catalyst behind them was sort of of COVID and adapting. And I just wondered whether you're, you you can kind of see across the college whether some of these activities have led to a sort of longer term thinking around. Um, continuing some of these activities sort of beyond the pandemic whenever it hopefully comes to a, a, an end as well? I think we've definitely found, um, you know, that there's more than one way of working and possibly mm-hmm. we'd be- become used to the way we did things and this kind of threw us into having to work with new systems and new ways of working and communicating with people and it, it's partly been very good to be honest you know um one of the projects um I w- work with an Equivet project as well and you know we're having meetings with people from the Netherlands and from Austria with without leaving your house you know yeah. there's and you know they're really rich conversations although there is something to be said about visiting somewhere and seeing for yourself the general feel of the place I suppose we've been very productive and we've been very busy really um, throughout this time um, because a lot has carried on as normal. Mm. Um, so no, we've, I think we, we're definitely looking at different ways of doing things, especially, you know, with, with part of this project, there's a little bit more to come as well. So with the staff training, um, we're actually doing a little bit more in September um, and because of the way the webinars worked and the way the students could ask their own questions and have a live response, I suppose, um, we're actually looking at doing something similar with the lecturing staff and the staff in the college for them to be able to discuss nationally what, how they're responding to this, what they've tried and maybe worked really well or maybe didn't quite work so well. Um, so we're definitely becoming more confident with the technology and and quite enjoying trying it out I suppose because you can't do anything else at the moment. No and I loved your point earlier that you know it's not about having one technology I think you know it's very natural for us to select different tools and services at different times depending on you know what we're trying to achieve so I I like that point. Um, And then we had one final question but you you may have uh, covered it to be honest in, in your last comments but that was just you know if you had any other recommendations to people who might be setting out on a a similar kind of project especially as we're sort of looking forward even um, to September and uh, everything kicking off again Um, whether you had any recommendations for others who are thinking about how to sort of upskill their staff or keep their students engaged if you know there are local lockdowns and, and, and we're sort of back to a similar situation as we 
were in the spring? Um, so, yeah, the, I think the first part, to be fair, we were very, very lucky with light bulb moment and the way they, um, you know, not took over, but the, they had the expertise and the pedagogy of why you do things and for how long. And, it, you know, everybody will have a go at seeing what works, but having it given to you and the reasons behind it just made that difference of giving people the confidence of, right, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something um, that had really good feedback. But then with the um, second part of the project, I suppose that was new work to us, really, you know, finding speakers to begin with. We, we were worried we wouldn't have enough. Um, but then we were very lucky. But it's not lucky is not the real word, really, because people were out of work because of coronavirus. Yeah. You know, one of the actors we spoke to was due to be out filming in New York, but he was at home and available to speak to us. So, you know, th- there's so many good people out there who want to give their experiences and share their experiences with the young learners. Now, we actually had too many people eager to speak by the end. Um, and, you know, if you've got good facilitators, we were really lucky with um, two young people, um, Holly and Gabe from Pembrokeshire College. Um, they led us through the week and seeing their confidence grow throughout the week was great. By the Wednesday afternoon, we actually lost a speaker for three minutes, but they just carried on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe on the Monday morning, that couldn't really have happened so smoothly. But um, I think maybe be realistic with timings. You know, the summer, um, people are on holidays. And, you know, we did a lot of this in-house. So, um breaking things down into tasks and being realistic about how much time they take, especially things that are new to us. Um, You know, we hadn't really used many webinar softwares or subtitling softwares before and trying those out because neither of the ones we've used in the end were the ones we trialled to begin with. So, you know, make sure that they work um, on more than one um, browser or that the autosave button actually does autosave and just little things like that. it just just gives you the confidence to know that what you're doing is is actually going to work and come out as something hopefully you can use for the future and plan plan your language from the beginning and you know it'll it'll make it richer it won't just be another thing to add to your list you know giving people that language choice is something that you just it's completely normal really isn't it so it's nice to be able to do that for them Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think if one thing's come out of, of this and thinking about um, anything that we can take in a positive, um, I like the idea that we're, we're sort of allowing ourselves to be less perfectionist. And, you know, if um, people can interrupt a BBC broadcast mm-hmm. on the news or, you know, if, if technology cuts out for three minutes, but it, you know, ultimately it allows us to connect with these experts um, and people across the world, then you know, that's great. And it is a learning curve and, and trying things. So yeah, I loved lots of your comments there. So thank you very much. Oh, um, and I, I might ask you at the end, some of your, your favorite subtitling technologies that you looked at, because I know okay. that lots of people will be looking at that, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So um, thanks so much, Nia. And I know that we've had Annabelle and Claire patiently listening in. Hello, afternoon. Afternoon. Um, so for everyone listening in, you're in a slightly different uh, educational context um, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and who you are and what you do as well so I'm I'm Annabelle Hardy King I am a project manager for Pacey 
Um, PACE is the Professional Association for Childcare and Early Years, and, and we're a long-standing charity dedicated to supporting everyone working in childcare and early years to help them to provide high-quality care and early learning for children and families. Thank you. Thank you for your invitation to join. So, like Annabelle says, I'm Claire Prothero. I'm the National Manager for Wales for PACE Cymru, and I lead and manage the work um, of PACE within Wales. Our work here is supported by funding from the Welsh Government, so we work very closely with our um, Cullum partners through a consortium approach of the main childcare and play organisations in Wales. And just a bit of my background, I've worked for PACI for, or previously NCMA, as, as we were for just over 10 years, and I was previously a childminder myself. Fantastic. Well, um, here's to all the childminders, because I'm, I've been pulling my hair out a bit, a little bit uh, recently, and... Um, you know, I think, well, Annabelle and I had a bit of a chat about this, but, you know, there's the, there's a whole other conversation to be had about valuing our, our educators, and especially in, in the childcare sector. Um, but I shall move on. Um, so I've got here, early years in the childcare sector um, has undergone severe strain during COVID-19. Um, can you tell us some of the scenarios that professionals in the early years are having to deal with? Um, and I'm sure this is an ongoing thing but absolutely yeah. yeah I mean if we you can't believe it's only been sort of this year that this has happened because it feels like um, this has been going on for a really long time I mean it's a completely unparalleled situation isn't it for, for everybody but um, for those specifically working in childcare in early years it has just been unprecedented I mean if we think back to March in England and as you said slightly um slightly different timings in Wales to a certain extent but actually all sort of the same um, situation to be told you need to close your business say goodbye to those children and families that you've been dealing with I mean it's a heartbreaking situation from start to finish taking into account that the vast majority are either self-employed or um, employing um, assistants you know actually from a financial perspective it has been devastating as well so um you know the, the government was able to offer some support um it obviously wasn't um the case for everybody and it you know it's not going to capture all anyway but from that vulnerability of the self-employed and also for those employing um assistance with the furlough situation it's just been complex and i think that's one of the things where pacey has um really come into its own about being able to um translate the support that's come out from the governments and being able to put it into language that practitioners can um, understand for us to be able to um, support them in, in any way that we can. Um, we know that it's been very well received in, in an absolutely terrible situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with Annabelle. It's been a really, really challenging time for the sector. And I think one of the things that's, that's come out of it as a sort of positive is how quickly settings can adapt and yeah. have to adapt to meet those challenges. And I think, you know, in line with the sort of the work that you're doing, one of the challenges that they had to face very quickly was adapting to the way they work digitally. So we've been working as Pacey for a number of years to bring people along on a sort of a, a journey of change towards using more digital um digital means and this is this has supported a sort of a, a swifter journey I would say in in settings having to to move quickly to utilize digital means for example emails and virtual meetings and looking at online training and support much more than they ever did before and and if I understand correctly you were as part of that digital journey you were already looking at um, developing an app to deliver some of that bite-sized CPD and then COVID hit and with the assistance of some funding that sort of pivoted towards you know the immediate need to support 
childcare settings with dealing with the new guidance around COVID. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we um we um uh we've been working with UFI for wow eighteen months now, which is which has absolutely flown. And um, originally we were going to develop um, what's now called EY Smart. Um, to help practitioners with the changes that were coming in regulation and curriculum in both England and Wales. Regulation changes in England came in. We developed courses about that. And actually, that went down very, very well with a lot of practitioners. We launched it at the very start of March, which was exactly the time, obviously, that everything went into into chaos. So um, we realised sort of quite early on that while the regulation side is important, actually what the practitioners needed at that point was support with how they could how they could um you know work with um children in a completely different way thinking about the challenges that were going to be faced when they could work again you know as we started to come out of lockdown thinking about those practitioners that were working with key worker children um and actually all of the different challenges that that um that presents itself so we we um we spoke with UFI and actually agreed the pivot and were able to very very quickly develop content which was um, was which was very well received. So I mean we've done thing to do with the focus on bereavement um, through to um, hand washing and you know the real sort of um, uh, the making it fun for children and and I think this is something that um, kind of comes back to what Nia was just talking about where bringing that sort of experience of practitioners that have been doing things for a long time into um, into the sort of the forefront because if you were a childminder working on your own actually being able to be a fly on the wall at a seeing how somebody else is working is really important so we took that point and we went and filmed it at sort of real settings if you like before um before lockdown happened obviously and actually we were able to um look at the clips that we got and use some of them to develop these courses as well so so actually the reaction we've had to that has been superb but then yeah, let's talk a little bit about the reaction, because when we spoke before this recording, you were saying, you know, what what an influx of uh, signups you've had since March. So um, if I understand correctly, the Pacey membership is around 25,000 um, and you've had sort of 20,000 signups to the training app since March, um, with half of those actually being new to the organisation. So, I mean, for people listening in that, are thinking about you know communicating with um, their own learners or their own workforce as well have you got any advice on how you went about that and and sort of you know how you've got to that uh, number so quickly yeah I mean it was it's a, it's a bit of a um, a bit of a double-edged sword because obviously as we launched um, any launch marketing or anything like that that we were planning on doing was completely, you know, no no press um, outlets or um, trade press or anything like that was going to want to pick this up because actually we were needing to deal with the pandemic situation. So we had a really good positive initial impact on um, on sort of the, the core readership that we had. But actually what's really made it effective was the pivot to the project to um, help with the um, COVID pandemic. And we've been, um, we've, um, we speak to uh, trade outlets, we've got um, uh, trade press, uh, leaflets, you know, the full marketing suite, I would say, but also, um, seeing the value from, um, you know, government organisations and things like that and being able to offer um, 
a tool that practitioners are able to continue to develop in this situation because it's you know something that they can do wherever they are on any device and it's it's sort of what we were finding up front is that there was a real um sort of feeling among among the sector of the people that we'd spoken to that they weren't as digitally savvy as as they as they could be and it's interesting because actually we we were finding as we got into more into that detail that they were more digitally savvy than they were giving themselves credit for they were on social media they were online banking they were shopping and things like that but actually what they've seen from do, using UI smart is that it's easy and actually it's given them more confidence and I think that also comes back to um, what Nia was saying you know we've held Facebook live sessions we've held webinars we've um, you know we've been working with a practitioner panel of people so that we can make sure that the training is as relevant as it possibly could be um, and and I think that side of it word of mouth because of that has really really helped us but I think um, advertising on social media and 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 that side of things has really really helped us that's really interesting I've heard of digital transformation before that the only communication strategy that you should have is to over communicate and uh, it sounds like with both of both of the projects that that's really key is just to you know keep offering up ways of of assisting your your learners your uh, or your team um and just just to go back so we've got um claire also uh on the recording as well the national manager for wales for pacey um and claire i just wondered obviously um working across um england and wales um and and listening into nia's conversation before um how you also sort of um uh, manage the differences in national le legislation or frameworks and guidance and and you know obviously we're dealing in an extremely fast moving situation so how you uh, made sure that everything was kind of useful in a in a local context as well yeah so like as Nia was saying really Wales is a bilingual country and and you know it's there at the forefront of everything that we do it's really really important for us at Pacey to ensure that we support those working in Wales not just with Welsh relevant content but Wales relevant information and advice and guidance and training and and, and everything through to publications so we have a Welsh language policy as Pacey but we need to obviously ensure that it's not just about having a policy to tick a box but it's embedded in our approach and our ethos in, in all the work that we do. So for example, our team in Wales, we're, we're a very small team, there's only eight of us, but across the team, we're all highly committed and very, very passionate, both about sort of Welsh language, but also that Welsh Wales context as well. We're all either Welsh speakers or Welsh learners. So, you know, it, it's, it's right through us almost like a sort of stick of rock, I would say. We obviously, we're, we're, like I said earlier, we're, we're, we're supported by funding by, from the Welsh government. Um, so we need to ensure there that we're that we're supporting those strategies that are coming out from Welsh government as well around, um, for example, Cymraeg 2050, aiming to have a, a million Welsh speakers um, by by the year 2050. So for us, it's not just simply about having a Welsh language version of any courses or any materials that we that we produce, but the fact is that childcare and education, specifically our devolved powers of Welsh government, and the legislation and the frameworks and the guidance can, can look and feel very different here. Mm -hmm. It's not 
people quite often think that you can just make a, a very easy equivalency match and think, well, they have the EYFS framework in, in England, so that will be the equivalent from the foundation phase framework for early years here. But it's not the way that it works. We have dual split um, regulation between between Care Inspectorate Wales, for example, for childcare here and ESTIN for education, whereas in, in, in England, Ofsted does the job of sort of both almost combined. So for us, it's about having that expertise and that knowledge embedded in to our work and working really, really closely with our colleagues in head office to ensure that that happens at those very, very early stages of development rather than the Wales work being a bolt on or an afterthought almost. And I think we're getting really, really good at that as an organisation. And that then significantly impacts on on what we're able to offer to providers and, and to members as well, because they benefit then from having quality and relevant and accessible content and information and the trust that comes from that being a reliable source as well. Absolutely. And and in the same way that I asked Nia around, um, you know, COVID being a catalyst to some of these changes, um, what do you see as the impact of, you know, the, the big take up of this um, application and also, you know what what you might do with it going forward from sort of 2020 and beyond so how would you like to utilize the technology that's been set up and the the interest and carry that forward yeah i think we um we've we've just got this real cat sort of um captive audience now which is really exciting it's an audience that we don't necessarily always talk to as you were saying um over half aren't pacey members in fact i ran the stats this morning and i think it's almost 60 percent aren't which is even which is even more exciting so one of the things that we're really um really working with um with those users on is when they complete a course they're able to fill out um like a reflection document which means that they um, are thinking about what they've learned and what that impact is going to have on their um, practice and therefore you know how that's going to impact the children that are in their care so we had a Facebook live last night in fact about our hashtag which is do one thing so each one of the courses has got that so we're really working with those learners to see how they are how the learning is impacting them and what they're going to go back and do differently and then we'll revisit them as well and um, and see how that has worked out so from an evaluation perspective but what's really really exciting for um, Pacey is that we've also received some additional funding and we're going to be working with some new partners and actually really develop that content further so they've seen what we can do with EY Smart and we're now able to really um, expand it further and then sort of on top of that when the changes in curriculum do come for um, England and Wales, we'll layer those on, which is obviously what the ori- original uh, project was going to be. So we're just going to keep building on it. We think it's such an important, important thing. And also the reaction of practitioners who who don't need to take a, a day out of their um, working week and go and spend money on an expensive course or, um, you know, or a huge textbook. You know, they can do it in short, sharp ways and, and just changing the way that they learn. Yeah, I love that. I love from both the projects hearing about, you know, bite-sized implementation. And I was listening back to one of our other recordings um, at lunchtime and uh, the idea that um, overnight successes are 10 years in the making and this idea of just do one thing and, you know, starts starts more, um, also offer your learners sort of bite-sized uh, content is, is great. Um, so final question to both of you, because I've, I've been very greedy with the time I've taken from your day. Um, you know, COVID's been a terrible, a terrible thing um, in, in both of our countries. And I just wondered, um, you know, if, if you were to sort of think about some of the moments over the last weeks and months that 
you know, we can carry forward as a sort of positive influence, whether you have any that you'd like to share with our listeners as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to um, to do that. I think I've got a couple. I think when we were on very, very short notice, um, asked to um, to all work from home and to still support um, our members and also support each other in the same way that we would as if we were in the office. I'm so proud of um, of the Pacey team and how we actually did that with very, very little hiccups. And back to what Nia was saying, whatever means necessary from a digital perspective, things carried on. And I think that shift in working is something to be really, really proud of. I think also we, um, we've worked throughout with practitioners. So um, as I was saying, we've had a panel where um, we've had input throughout and actually for them to still be happy to engage with us and to see the value of how they are engaging with us with everything else they've had going on has just been has just been fabulous so I thank them as well and I would agree with Annabelle you know in those very very early days you know the shock of it all and almost the way we had to be very very reactive in in the support that we gave but as time moved on and we quickly moved into the sort of new way of working we were able to work a lot more proactively and to start to plan very very quickly what what was going to be needed and what support was needed so it was it then had the sort of a stronger impact I think as well on people looking for support as, as time moved on. Well uh, that sort of spirit of generosity that Annabelle mentioned um, I sort of see that in in all the guests that have joined us today so thank you all for giving up your time today and um, for anyone listening in all of the uh, work that's been mentioned today um, we'll be sharing links to that on our show notes as usual um but yeah i think that brings us to the end so thank you so much for sharing your work best of luck with the rest of 2020 and uh have a great um afternoon as well thanks a lot thanks sophie, sophie. Thank that's all for this episode thanks for listening in everyone if you like this episode please rate and review wherever you get your podcast from for upcoming events competitions funding and more sign up to our newsletter and our next Voxec episode will be drawing together investors from around the world who are funding vocational technology and workplace innovations. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, do make sure you're subscribed. But before all that, take care. Bye bye. <laughs>